The Unconventional Therapist's Guide to Nothing. What's up, everybody? This is Dave. I'm joined here with my co-host, Greg, and we're just a couple of everyday old unconventional therapists. And right. we're just sitting here, just minding our business, having a great time. What's up, Greg? What's up? How are you? How are you living? It's all about me. Dude, you, you are all about you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I'm, and I'm finding out what that's about, Dave. So I've, o- I've always known. Well, yeah, you've been diagnosing me this entire time. Entire time. That's, that's actually that's the whole point of this podcast was <laughs> that I was just analyzing you and diagnosing you this whole time. And here we are, the culmination. It's like a Truman Show esque. I was gonna say Truman Show esque, yeah. right? Uh, so let's talk about that for a second. So we're, we're envy, like we've dabbled in that jealousy. These are all sort of intrinsic in all of us, and maybe maybe they're even useful in some ways. Uh, the same way you know, guilt and shame can be useful. It's evolutionary, right? So they're also very destructive and insidious emotions, especially in terms of interpersonal relationships. So we're talking about devaluing someone else's, well, devaluing someone else to elevate yourself and other dark behaviors that these feelings of envy and jealousy manifest. And just hearing myself talk, I'm thinking that I'm spending too much time with this dark psychology class and I'm starting to sound monkish. Don't you think a little bit? Oh yeah, you sound exactly like that guy in the TV show Monk. <laughs> Tony Tony Shalhoub, isn't that him? Yeah. Well, not yep, exactly. You and your OCD tendencies? Yeah. That's that you're our monk. I never thought about that. Uh well, I mean, Dave with his comic relief, appreciating that. <laughs> um, but I bet all of you would never guess that we're talking about the elements of narcissism. And Dave, let me ask you this. When before any of this, maybe if you can if you can go back in time, what did you typically think of when you consider a person to be a narcissist? Like what personality traits come to mind for you? Selfish, um, mm-hmm. just me, 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 whatever that would be. Just someone who does not care about other people and is mainly focused on themselves. Yeah, yeah. So just hearing you say that makes me think that this is going to be one of the more dangerous disorders and not so much for the sufferer, but the people around them and maybe the sufferer too on, on some levels. But I think we're going to be surprised to understand what a narcissist actually is. And when does it cross into the realm of a personality disorder? Okay, professor. Um, So the thing I was thinking is it's almost one that you could, if you're the person who has it, you could almost be like oblivious to it. Oh, absolutely. And that's what makes it dangerous. It's sort of like uh, borderline in a way, uh, except I think with borderline, you you can somehow come to like a realization where it's like, oh, wow, maybe it's not just everybody else. Maybe it really is something with me. Um, With this one, it, I would, it it feels like there's none of that. (laughs) And we're gonna we're gonna unlearn why that is because you're absolutely right. So borderline is one of these personality disorders. I think maybe the only personality disorder where you don't really need um, you know a maladaptive area of the brain or or a part of the brain that's not firing or a disconnect in the prefrontal areas or anything like that. It could just be trauma based, right? This is a little bit different. So what is narcissistic personality disorder? Let's talk about that a little bit. So obviously it's a, a personality disorder that causes people to have an unreasonably high level of self-importance. So not self-esteem though, that's different because I think something that's gonna be the through line through this whole thing is that behind the mask of overconfidence, they're really quite insecure population of people, right? And the slightest criticism is often met with anger. So self-worth is low, self-importance is high. Right. They crave attention and want others to be really impressed with them. They they lack the ability of to empathize and they don't really care about anybody else's feelings but their own. So you're starting to like be, understand the picture of this person. They cause problems in all areas of life, work, school, their their finances can suffer. They're unhappy and disappointed a lot because they don't feel like they're getting the recognition that they deserve. They nobody gets them. 
every everybody else is the problem and it's never their fault, right? And this is something that affects more males than females. But and that's according to statistics. And we've we've had that sort of those four claims in the past where it's more of a gender rolled kind of thing. But I don't know, Dave, I think we should challenge that for a second. I, and I might, you know, take some heat for that. But I think societally, a female narcissist might might take less heat, might be praised for some of these traits as opposed to like as a more of like an empowering thing. I, does that make any sense at all? Um I, I mean, what you're saying makes sense. I don't know if I necessarily uh, can think of an example that would make me agree with that statement. However, I also think that it's probably more likely that those numbers could shift because of some of the roles, like the um, the more powerful roles that females can play in today's society versus you know roles that they might have found themselves in decades ago. So I could almost Im- imagine that number kind of evening out to some extent. Yeah, I'm just thinking, Does that make I guess sense? I'm, I'm always kind of thinking in terms of like Kardashians and Vanderpump oh, and you and you know we get all wrapped up in that. So we're part of that too, but you know, Kim Kardashian's I mean she's a narcissist, isn't she? No. I she does a lot for charity, Greg. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, you know what? I'll back it up too. You're right. What do I know? She's, That's the last she's got children and the Kardashians coming after me. Yeah. Um uh, so the interesting thought though about that stat because doesn't it wouldn't it look different in a male versus a female also just because of based on like how we expect males to act in certain ways so when you see a main a male who's rather vain don't you automatically even like that thought of that person being a narcissist doesn't that kind of come up really quickly yeah it does but if it was a female who's more worried about appearance, would you n- go straight to narcissist or would that maybe be something that might be more accepted? Like them caring about, you might justify it or rationalize it. Like, oh, they care about their appearance. Oh, that's just something of that gender, right? Yeah. And it's you get what I'm like, saying? Yeah. And it's more like coming off as, obviously we know it's not thinking re- like genuinely that you're better than everyone else because really you're thinking that you know, you're inferior and you're trying to bring everyone else down to make yourself feel better. But like, oh, like someone feeling like they're better than other people. That's just, I don't know. It just feels, there's something about this thing that really rubs me the wrong way. Like I, I don't, and we all. Well, there's nothing, nothing nice about the description of a narcissist. No, no. You know, I, Greg, I kind of wish I would have um, interjected in your intro. Cause I also wanted to bring a little light as to, the reason for this episode because i mean obviously we we cover disorders uh frequently you know we this is just one of many and we've already done a personality disorder so this was obviously made sense on the list but there's something that's happening in society today and we've touched on this in different episodes um which ones i can't tell you off the top of my head but you'll probably know but like when words start to lose meaning because of how frequently or incorrectly they're being used or concept, when concept creep, concept creep, exactly. Oh, that's exactly it. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, so there's been a lot of that with narcissism, you know, and I'm gonna say a lot of it started around 2016. Interesting. <laughs> what a weird yeah. year for that yeah. for that term to yeah. become more known or more u- utilized in the general society. But I think that for an obvious reason, and you know, if anybody's listening to this and can make that uh, correlation. I think you'll understand what I'm getting at. But like that term started to get used quite frequently. And then I feel like you started hearing it everywhere. And then people were kind of like just throwing it around. That's scary to me because of all the things you just listed in what what narcissistic personality disorder is. So in order like for us to just call someone that is almost callous. This is not like a a minor personality disorder by any means. No. And maybe there's some like validity to what you're saying as far as like, I I don't mean like the, the, you know, the word just broadening its definition, but maybe like us all being, you know, 2020, right? Like us all being sequestered and in our own little worlds, 
like somehow we've developed more self-importance. And when you care so much about yourself, you start to care less about others. You're not as connected with the people around you. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why there's like this little like spike in narcissism. I And here's here's what my original thought was, but then I actually think I'm, I agree with you on, on that point too. My original thought was because of like seeing it on such a large scale, like such a public figure um, being labeled with it. I think it just became a term that started to get used more frequently. I don't think it necessarily was a spike in narcissistic personality disorder itself or even narcissistic behavior. It's always existed. We have, we have pop culture examples that you'll get to at the end of the episode that are from years and years ago. These, this is not like a new thing whatsoever. However, yeah, what you said makes a ton of sense. And I think that the more people get wrapped up in things like social media and just that big movement for people to care, take care of themselves, which I'm not saying is a bad thing at all, but it's like the focus really is more for people to, to care for themselves and think about themselves and better themselves. But you never like what's missing from that. Other the people around you, like, well, <laughs> yeah. like that's what's important, right? We're, so, we're forgetting so, to add that last piece in, which is like, and also don't forget about everyone around you. <laughs> There's such a focus in uh, society today on helping yourself before, like, before you even think of helping others. And I think that's like, a little dangerous. And I do too, because I think that like we've both found that sometimes the best way to f- find meaning in your own life and to help yourself is by like kind of connecting and helping others, like trying 100%. to help others, right? And I also believe that, you know, something that's contributing to this too is, all right, so part of narcissism is tearing down other people so that you can elevate yourself. And how easy is it? Or how much easier has it become to tear down somebody online Ooh, as it yeah. was to tear down somebody in person? You, you don't have to look them in the eyes. It's really easy just to say whatever, you know, on a phone or on the computer. Yeah, that's made it a lot easier to hurt people to better yourself by putting other people down. Um, yeah, there's a lot to this. This is a, it's, I think it's a bigger societal issue than anyone can even imagine because I don't think it's on people's minds enough. Right, Dave. And sort of the, the whole point of Instagram and social media is to show people your highlight reel, like your absolute best and sort of hide some of that truth and sort of that, you know, stuff that you don't really want the rest of the world to see, the real you. And that's sort of narcissistic in and of itself too. It's it's almost narcissistic to participate and we all do it. So yeah. w- the thing that's dangerous about labeling narcissistic personality disorder too is all those, like those things, those envy, those jealousies, those inferiorities, we all have those. Those are inside all of us. So, I mean, I guess what I'm asking you at this point is to kind of help make it clear when does it cross over? Like, what are the symptoms? What what's the what's the difference yeah. in a personality with someone with, you know, narcissistic personality disorder? When does it become a disorder? Right. So you know, some areas of personality functioning that narcissistic personality disorder is going to affect um, is well, first identity, as you mentioned. This kind of taps in a lot of the things you already said, um, but it's like a lot of reference to uh, others for self definition and self-esteem regulation. So that idea that of comparing yourself in a way that shows or highlights how much better you are than others, uh, or, or to like look at them to make yourself feel better, like kind of pointing out all the things about yourself that's better than other people. Uh, so it's never just about who you are as a person. It's always about who you are in contrast to somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously... When you're constantly comparing yourself, are you ever really forming your own identity? That no. he's he's shaking his head now. This is an audio podcast, Greg. Um, <laughs> so the inflated or deflated, uh, vastly between extremes. Um, so kind of like that. Like what happens when you don't match that inflated ego that you have? How does that person feel? Terrible. Right. So. For a narcissist, do they go up and down when they, like a failed narcissist, do they just crash? Well, yeah. Well, actually, it's there's a, there's a name for that, and we'll get it to that in the end, because that's really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. You can only imagine. Um, self-direction. So that's like goal setting, um, but it's all based on getting approval from others. 
again, it's all about others. It's a, it's so funny because the whole the diagnosis, like the name of the diagnosis, insinuates this idea that all you care about yourself is yourself, but literally all you're doing is watching others and basing your behavior and your your self worth on others. It's yes. it's kind of the opposite of just being about yourself. It's literally about everyone around you, but in the worst possible way. Right. That's the whole thing that that's my biggest interest in this thing. It's like a paradox. It's never, it's not about you. It's about why am I, why are they getting accolades for this? Or why are, why is nobody seeing how great I am? Like it's always this, it's always coming from a place of why not me? Like, why is everyone else better than me? Yeah. Um, and they they will set like standards for themselves that are just almost unachievable, right? These perfection standards, and but they see themselves as like these exceptional beings, and you know those those standards are so so freaking high. It's it's scary to think about. It's almost like a perfectionist, but it's like beyond. I think it's almost beyond that. So what's scary? It's it's funny that you mentioned like this. What's it's a scary thought to think of a failed narcissist, but what's even scarier sometimes is a successful narcissist. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, that when, when it's these false claims that I'm better than everybody and they just don't see that nobody understands. And I have to kind of bring them all down to help them see that I'm the best. Like that happens. Yeah. People succeed. And we'll talk about those people too. Well, you know, cause there's a drive I would imagine that, that a narcissist can have that, you know, a non-narcissist might lack uh, based on those expectations they set for themselves. Also, because of that idea of be having some kind of um, entitlement, right? So kind of like, I deserve this. So I think naturally, you just kind of go a certain direction, right? Uh, and you kind of feel like you're just entitled to it and you just, you have access to it. So why wouldn't you go that direction? And at times, I think another part that's really dangerous, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier with the difference between this and borderline, is they might be totally unaware of their own motivations. They might not like, see anything wrong with the way that they're navigating their life. Like, no, that's the thing. They come. They're completely. Uh, they think they're completely justified in their actions. Yeah. Um, so empathy, uh, obviously, that's going to be impaired. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're just completely unable to like recognize or identify uh, the feelings or needs of others. Um, but they're excessively like attuned to reactions of others. Um, but it's only perceived like, it's only about how it affects them though, right? Um, so whether that be positive or negative. Um, in intimacy, so the relationships tend to be superficial. And again, they just kind of exist to like self, serve their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, obviously you can imagine being in like a romantic relationship or an intimate relationship with someone with narcissistic personality disorder would be rather challenging. It's because they're always going to be belittling you, putting their needs over yours. I mean, I guess it's useful to go over the symptoms to to kind of get an understanding of like what that would be like. Yeah. Yeah. So for symptoms, um, like obviously self-importance, they require like pretty frequent and constant admiration. I mean, so what's that like in a relationship, right? Yeah. That's so, tough. um, because nobody gets that all the time, right? Nobody, nobody has that energy to just constantly be telling their partner how great they are. You're how- so good looking. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they feel they deserve privileges and special treatments. Um, everything negative that happens to them is somebody else's fault. <laughs> it's almost like, um, the Puritans, right? <laughs> blaming everything negative on on the devil uh so it's like you know it's so if you're in that relationship with that person or if you're a family member of that person anything that happens to them if you're in the proximity it's your fault mm-hmm. you're, or if you're like attached to whatever it is that they're doing and that goes wrong it's going to be your fault so you just have to learn how to expect that um so they uh I, they deserve uh they they're I'm sorry, that one's a repeat one. Uh, so make they uh, make achievements and talents seem bigger than they are. So it's kind of like exaggerated self-view, um, just embellish stories about themselves, things like that. Um, but they're also very preoccupied with fantasies of success, power, uh, brilliance, and beauty, and just thinking that they're they deserve better than what they have. So are they ever satisfied? 
No, that's the, that's what we're going to talk about in the end. That's, there is yeah, a tragedy yeah. to the narcissist. Yeah. Um, you know, this belief of superiority and that they should only be around the best and the brightest people, um, critical of most people seeing their flaws and not their own. So you're, they feel like they should always be around the best and the brightest, but nobody ever is going to meet that standard, obviously. Um, they take advantage of others to get what they want. Obviously, uh, coming across as very conceited, insist on having the best of everything, even at the detriment of their own finances. Yeah, Dave. And what's interesting about these things is anytime, you know, almost as a continuation to the symptoms, it's like when you challenge someone and if you say like, hey, like maybe you that was your fault or maybe, you know, that that wasn't me or or like you're not so great, whatever it is, yeah. right? They're going to meet that with anger. And when they don't get that recognition, they're going to be really upset. They often, they're going to feel slighted all the time because nobody can really, like you were saying, no one can really manage these delusional expectations. So they're actually pretty fragile when they seem like they, oh, I'm this great person. I, you know, there's no one above me. They're actually really, really fragile. And that's kind of dangerous coupled with that lack of empathy. So, you know, if they become violent, they 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 don't have a lot of empathy and they're fragile. It's a dangerous combination. There's nothing more dangerous than a fragile like fragile masculinity. I thought it was a scorned woman. I too. Yeah. A scorned lover. Is that what it is? No. Hell yeah. hath no fury. Like, <laughs> that's that's yeah. So so you know, thinking about all those symptoms, like two of the personality traits that identify narcissistic personality disorder would be grandiosity. So that's mm-hmm. the feelings of entitlement. Um, self-centeredness, firmly holding on to the belief that one is better than others and being condescending towards others. And as the other one would be attention seeking. So excessive attempts to attract and be the focus of attention of others and admiration seeking. So, you know, essentially you're looking for those main personality traits and you can imagine like, you know, all the symptoms that we just mentioned kind of fit somewhere in in between those two, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And well, here's a major one that they'll, they like to make you feel small to make themselves feel big. I guess that's, you know, the crux of it, right? And they they definitely withdraw from situations that they might fail at. That's something that we really haven't touched on. So they never actually give themselves the opportunity for greatness. They they think they're great, but they've they never are strong enough to give themselves the opportunity for greatness because they don't try most of the time. So they have no problem criticizing those that do try, though. It's almost like. Yeah. You know, they have no problem saying like, oh, that podcast sucks, <laughs> right? But, you know, they they wouldn't want to do it themselves. Yeah. So it's this. Wait, so, Greg, though, like if you were someone with narcissistic personality disorder mm. and you're listening to this, it probably seems and it might even have just really been the case that we just spent a lot of time putting that person down pretty significantly when here we are, two individuals who are involved in psychotherapy and are supposed to have, you know, unlimited positive regard for anyone that were to come into our door. But we don't. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. What are you saying? Of course we do. But listen, if honestly, the reality is, if a narcissist is listening to this, a true narcissist, they're probably being listening to it being like, yeah, that's totally my girlfriend. Yeah. That's what they're thinking. No, but, they, you know, at some point, you know, this obviously has people have gone to therapy oh, absolutely. and been diagnosed with this and, and done treatment. And we'll get into some of the treatment later, but I, I do want people to understand be, even though this is dangerous, it's like everything else. Like if you, if you can identify it, if you can work on things, it won't go away. It's not going to, you're not going to fix the problem, but you can work on these responses and you can work on these, uh, thought, uh, thought processes that processes that happen and you can try to make different choices a narcissist is not a dangerous person it's just their actions and their behaviors are problematic mm-hmm. so i i want to under like help people understand that so they're I, not right. bad people they just their actions and behaviors are problematic and can have really negative impacts on the people around them so you're right you're softening this up a little bit, and you're right. There, there is no, you know, gratitude with a narcissist. Like, there's no humbling feelings. So it's kind of sad. It's like you'll never be happy 
because you'll never be good enough for you, right? You'll never be able to meet those expectations that you have of yourself. And so you can never really, you know, be content, which is, which is really sad. Well, what makes this sad, Greg, is it's not like someone chooses to be a narcissist. No. Right. No. And in fact, there is, you know, the insular cortex is a part of the brain associated with the, you know, self-awareness and social functions, like obviously empathy. And also there's probably going to be issues in the frontal lobe. So no, you don't choose. There is some um, damage or deficits in brain function that cause this. Yeah. So that stinks. So there's that. And possibly, or not also like, or also environmental of course things. always right so genetics. yeah genetics is like uh, well i mean i i don't know did you read or get research that there is genetic uh correlation with narcissistic personality so disorder? yeah and that's always the sort of the chicken and the egg thing when you talk about environment and genetics it's like because they're kind of you can kind of lean so you can say that's generational trauma or that's family genetics. It's like, it's hard to really, unless you're doing like twin studies, um, but we're not Mengele over here. So we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I did actually get some contradictory information to that, but it was yeah. nothing of like extensive research. So, so, okay. so yeah, like some of the, the solid, the more solid um, cases of, you know, mental illness and genetics. It's like, so, you know, bipolar and schizophrenia, like disorders like that are are definitely sort of genetic. But these, you you say genetics because, I mean, it's hard to rule it out. Yeah, yeah. Also, Dave, what about the, yeah, like, in a sense, aren't you kind of living your life in a state of imposter syndrome? I guess like the rest of us, but it's like without the, without the, you know, the humbling nature of it. Like it doesn't, it sort of, it's, you are kind of an imposter because you're pretending to be this grandiose personality, but you really feel quite small. It's almost like the ultimate fake it till you make it. Yeah. Yeah. Except there's no, there's like never a make it. But you did mention that sometimes people can be successful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's sort of, and that's when it's really scary, I guess, right? When we're talking about like Hitler's and Stalin's and stuff like that. Yeah. So, all right. What are we trying to talk about now? So here's here's um, a disorder that's very similar. And I, I think that maybe we should run through that a Wait, little bit. So I just want to, just before you do that, just yeah, one sure. second. Um, so we did mention environmental factors that can contribute to the, the disorder. So like you said, genetic, uh, biological, and environmental factors can all contribute to the disorder or development of the disorder. Um, so for environment, I think I, it might make sense just to, for me to briefly explain that. Yeah, yeah, no, please. Uh, so like they talk about like parent-child relationships where there's either um, too much like adoration or there's way too much criticism uh, that doesn't match the child's like actual experiences and achievements. So that child that's like just constantly pumped with way, way, way too much pro uh, positive praise or like, you're the best, you're, you're perfect. You're the, you know, the greatest child ever. Yeah, that's um, little prince syndrome. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the, the little thing there. there. There you go. Um, or, or quite the opposite. Like they can never do enough, I guess they can never, like never, nothing's ever good mm -hmm. enough. You can see how that would make sense too. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like your brain develops this protective way of like seeing the world after you, because it's like just I don't want to always feel terrible about myself. So your adaptation is, you know, maladaptive as it might be, bringing other people down to elevate yourself. You know what's funny? This just made me think. Uh, I, when I was younger, I had a friend. We went to high school, but after high school, he like we lived with him in this like apartment where it was like me and a bunch of my buddies, and. He was constantly lying, like just, but it was about the most ridiculous stuff. And it was always to make himself look really good. Um, he would like crazy stuff, it, a lot of crazy stuff. He would pay, like, pay bar tabs. 
and like he would have money all the time and we never knew how and then like he would get fired from jobs and find out that he was stealing money but we wouldn't find it find that out till later hmm. but it was all about making himself look this to have this status mm-hmm. and i never really thought about it i always just used the you know he's just uh what do you call that like a constant liar you know he's like pathological pathological liar i i always just brush it off as he's just a pathological liar but now i'm like looking at it through a different lens. Yeah, now you're like, his self-worth was tied to, you know, either needing people around, and this is an adapt, this is what he figured out, this is how he keeps people around, Uh, people pleasing maybe, right? Or even like, you know, maybe in his family, like the money, you know, the person who had money was, you know, once his father lost his job or something, like his mom left him, right? It could be anything. It was was like, I don't, you know, he didn't sound like he came from a ton of money. It wasn't like, and but it was always like to give off this impression that he was something much more established than he was, even with like who he was with or how many people he was with and things like that. It was always this thing to get us to view him a certain way. And he would do whatever he needed to do in order to make that happen. I think maybe I did that too on some level. Like like once I got like in freshman year of high school, got a job. Because my parents didn't have any money and no offense, mom and dad, I love you. But like, you know, I would buy, I'd go over to structure. I mean, you remember what that was like, maybe Abercrombie and I'm dropping, I'm dropping hundos on like a sweater. Right. So it's like, I'm, I don't come from money, but I want, for some reason, I feel like that makes me more worthy uh, to be around other people. I don't know. Does it give me access to another group of people? So yeah. it's interesting. Like, you know, when did you lose that though? That mind frame because this shirt's all right. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I would never say like you. Well, I mean, you do have these expensive pieces of art. That's true. That's true. And you do make it a point to show people those. I do, don't I? Yeah. I'll grab your long, uh, give me, let me give you a tour yeah. of my four pieces of Interesting. art. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Greg. See, it's so tied to it. You know, I mean, it's. And you do always do a very elaborate, structured, um, you know, write out for these podcasts that you know I'm never going to look at, but you want it to I be know. there. It's almost like you want me to see it. I do. And you'll and never it bothers look. you that I don't look. But I'll keep doing it. <laughs> you do. <laughs> uh, yes. So exactly. interesting. But like, here's the thing. There's so many other... Uh, <laughs> of all the descriptors, there's so many things that go against the idea of you being a narcissist. Okay, thanks, Dave. I wasn't really concerned. <laughs> oh, my bad. I thought that you were be. like yeah. starting to worry about it. I, I didn't know but, that you thought I was on the fringes. <laughs> but here's the thing. In today's society, that's kind of going back to like my earlier point. Like somebody would quickly just label someone because of one thing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put this out there. I bet almost every one of us could identify with at least one trait. Because oh, we're all somewhat self-absorbed to some extent it's just some people are way more than others Mm -hmm. and some people probably have like three of those traits some people have like five and some people have all nine uh so before you quickly judge someone call them something as serious as a narcissist i think it's important for people to also reflect on themselves which a true narcissist won't do so if you're throwing it out there and not reflecting it on yourself maybe you are the problem you're right just saying so, Dave, before I do get into the differences between these closely related disorders, why don't you, since you're so concernicus, give us some, you know, treatment, treatment options. Okay. So, Greg, you will be very glad to know that your services might be needed for a narcissist. Okay. And you can tell them the story about all your expensive sweaters and artwork <laughs> um, as you relate to them and try to build a bond. Yeah. <laughs> don't overshare, Greg, because that's not appropriate. So uh, psychotherapy is something that can be really helpful uh, to help them learn how to relate better with others so the relationships can be closer and more enjoyable and more rewarding and also understand the causes of their emotions and what drives them to compete or distrust others or dislike others and possibly even themselves. So those are some of the um, benefits to psychotherapy. Uh, The focus is to help people who have this disorder accept responsibility, which they're always, you know, as we talked about, it's always something that they're shifting away and learn how to accept and maintain real personal relationships and work together with like coworkers or whoever in order to achieve things. 
Um, also is to help recognize and accept their actual abilities um, versus those kind of grandiose ideas and to be able to tolerate criticism or failures, which obviously is something that is very difficult. So it's almost uh, like exposure to mediocrity. Like you might not be like, wow, dare, yeah, it's like bringing dare to them be average. down. Yeah, it's bringing them down a few steps. Which, hey, look, here's the thing. I think that we all suffer from, you know, we've talked about negative cognitive distortions before, but I think we suffer from positive cognitive distortions too, right? So it's like, if I was like, hey, Dave, you know, what percentage of, where would you at, where are you at in the percentage of like best drivers, like on the road of all people, of all drivers? Like, where do you, where do you fit? Pretty in the middle. Oh, see, dude, you you just did that wrong. (laughs) Because if someone had asked me that, oh, geez, here comes another symptom number two for me. I would have been like, Ah, top top 80% of drivers. That's what I, honestly, that's what I felt like. And then like, you know, that's, that's saying, that's kind of like irrational. But even if you're like, hey, Dave, you're top half of drivers. So you're saying you're like, you're better than like billion, you're a better driver than billions of people. So it's almost like you can say that you're average and still feel pretty good about yourself at the same time. Like, even if you're like a five. Yeah. That means you're better looking than half the people on the planet. Not bad. Now you're talking about your hotness. <laughs> I was talking about your hotness there. If I was talking about my, I'm a five. Wow! Wow! I'm saying you're a five. I'm a five, and he's an eight. All right. I'm saying you're a five. Listeners, I'm saying you're a five. Please tell us if you agree with this. I'm saying I'll tell you what. There's a picture of us on Instagram. Let's play a little imagination game. Tell you me that that full head of hair from the early '90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. You're damn right. It's an eight. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. All some right. other goals of uh, therapy would be to help them learn and understand them and. Uh, Help them understand and manage their feelings, understand and learn how to handle such issues related to their self-esteem, and learn how to accept goals uh, that they can actually reach instead of ones that are not realistic. Um, So psychotherapy, like I said, cognitive behavioral therapy can be very effective with um, people with narcissism. Uh, It helps them to begin to identify unhealthy or unhelpful thought uh, patterns, which I can totally understand. Um, so that's something they could do. There's various other styles of therapy that can be helpful. Um, DBT, uh, EMDR actually came up on the list. Really? I wonder how, I don't even want to get into how that would be. Um, so it's like, uh, you know, kind of the, whatever is linking like that early childhood trauma that might be the link with that, with their narcissism. So I wonder if you can, the difficulty though, would be the empathy piece. Like it's tough to, like it can be such, a, empathy can be such a useful tool in therapy. And when it's not there, it's like, oof, okay. So we're definitely going to have to go like logic-based, really logic-based. Now you're telling me that you don't work with any individuals who you feel lack empathy? No, of course I do. I, I mean, I don't want to yeah. say, you know, like, you know, autism. I have a lot of, I like, you know. I, I work I, with like some even just like very neurotypical individuals who I think struggle with empathy in in certain capacities. I I think even some of my coworkers at times might. Are you talking about me again? <laughs> wow, wow, dude! It's always about you, isn't it? Oh my god! Oh my god. Know. You know I have two Number jobs, three. right? You know I have two jobs. <laughs> I have so many coworkers. Well, that was a fifty percent chance that it was me. That was like a ten percent chance. Okay, all my coworkers. Wow, fifty percent. So it's you're like one of my only coworkers in your eyes. Well, wow. You really are naive to this all. I know. I got to broaden my worldview. Pandemic really did me in. <laughs> so listen, is that enough for treatments? All right, because you're scaring me. Yep. Yeah, that's, all right. that's good. So let's talk about... I, all right, one, one last statement. One okay. last statement, then I'm done with treatment. The bottom line is, yeah. there is plenty of treatment options for anybody who is suffering with narcissistic personality disorder to the point where it is impacting your functioning, impacting your job, your relationships, whatever, your own self-worth and self-esteem. So if you do or uh, identify that maybe this is an issue, or if you know someone who you know this is an issue for and you they and they're willing to listen to you to get treatment, there's plenty of treatment options. So please don't feel like this is a completely hopeless situation that you yeah, can't it, improve from. And it's not like, so it can be difficult to recognize this in yourself, right? So, but what's what you can do is if you find yourself 
sort of being, having difficulties in interpersonal relationships. You've been through a lot of romantic relationships. You know, you have issues at work and maybe it's starting to seem like maybe you're the common denominator here and just using logic, right? And people have maybe called you a narcissist, you know, like things like that. Like maybe it's, you know, you you deserve to have um, a meaningful existence, right? And you deserve to have you can still have meaningful relationships with narcissistic personalities, sort of obvious. You know, and I think that that's probably what makes this disorder one that people would shy away from getting treatment from or even like wanting, even if they kind of had an inkling, it would probably be really hard to accept because mm. it does feel rather impossible to like imagine it being any different if you're that person. Like, yeah. I, I'm sure that like be, feeling hopeful about getting over it or fixing things probably feels like non-existent. But, you know, as I mentioned, the goals of therapy with this diagnosis is essentially helping you navigate the world in a way more successful way than how it's been going. And sure, there's probably been situations that have worked in your favor, but for the most part, I'm pretty sure they're probably not in the relationship realm or in the way of like actually having meaningful relationships or getting along, having good interpersonal relationships with those around you. Yeah. I agree. All right. And, but you know what, this is, it's very similar to antisocial personality disorder, which is sort of a scarier disorder, or maybe I, you know, they're both, you know, kind of, they're both pretty serious uh, personality disorders. Yeah, we hear a lot, like antisocial is one that we hear a lot with individuals who have committed pretty serious crimes. So like I think serial killers. Yeah, like serial killers, or even like we did an early episode, what was it, Mike Woodmansey? Yeah, he ate a kid. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty bad. So actually, you know what's interesting? Like if that would be an interesting one for people to even go back to. Uh at Craig Price, we did a really early episode on Craig Price. Those would be, if you guys are interested in listening to more about like what antisocial personality sounds like, go back and listen to those episodes, which were super early episodes. Actually, I, I would be interested even listening to us mm. back then um, when we were still honing our craft. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, those are, it's a scary, both are scary diagnoses for different reasons. And sometimes, and like you'll see, and sometimes for the same reasons. So antisocial personality disorder, we're not going to dig into this. It's super interesting, but we're going to let it be its own thing down the road. So ignoring social norms, difficulty controlling impulses. So that's aggressive, lack of concern for safety of self and others. There's an empathy element there as well. Disorganized, um, you know. That's that would just be antisocial personality disorder, but the symptoms that it shares with um, narcissistic personality disorder is behaving in an arrogant manner. So you're going to see that in both inability to recognize people's needs. So being self-centered, inflated sense of self, dishonest, dishonesty and deceit, which is very scary, right? Because some you will see that. I think that maybe Ted Bundy was a narcissistic personality disorder. Hmm. Taking advantage of others and lack of empathy. So that is where they overlap. And you can see how, you know, narcissism, narcissism doesn't really have the aggressive difficulty controlling impulses and ignoring social norms. So that's, it's got a little bit of a leg up there, but can it be dangerous? Well, let's look at some of the, you know, narcissistic personalities of the past. Stalin. So right there, <laughs> Hitler, Henry VIII. Jim Jones, who we've done an episode on, Saddam Hussein is probably a future episode, Ted Bundy, Mengele, and Dave, I put this one in there for you, Patrick Bateman. Maybe you can explain who that is. American Psycho. That's right. And But for what it's worth, there are also um, like Oprah, Jenny McCarthy, Tom Cruise, and even Bieber. So I don't think that those are monsters. Those are actually national treasures in some ways. Wait, right? where did... That came from somewhere? Uh, yeah, healthyplace.com. Is that they've been formally diagnosed? Well, according to healthyplace.com, that's why I made sure I put the reference to them in there. Oh, healthyplace.com somehow managed to get all of those celebrities' HIPAA information. That's right. <laughs> Sounds legit. Yeah. Sounds totally they've got legit. some. Uh, they've got a really strong investigative reporting team over there. So 
Well, well, I can't well, tell if you're being serious right I'm, now. I, 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 we're putting an asterisk on these. Although Tom Cruise, I could see that. We can't see that. You cannot see that. Good. Tom Cruise. Why? Because he's crazy uh, whoa, 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 on, his, on his Oprah episode where he's jumping on couches. Oh, well, he mentioned two of them. And yeah. he's into Scientology. All right, so we're this is the suspected of Greg. You're doing exactly what I said was super dangerous at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> I know, I know. You're absolutely. I hate right. that you just did that. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So let's just scratch that. Okay. Jenny right. McCarthy. I wonder if there is a way to get that. What? Why Jenny McCarthy? I don't know. This is what I picked up on a website. All right, so you can you can you can AliceLDPlace.com. Yeah. What did Jenny McCarthy do to you? I don't know. Healthyplace.com. All right. What about pop culture? What do you say? So let's talk about fake people. That's <laughs> yeah. That. Patrick Bateman would fall into the fake people too. Um, that's actually, you know, I, I think one of like, if you've ever seen the movie American Psycho or if you've ever read the book, uh, from front to cover, from first uh, second of the film to the last second, total just character study of a narcissist walking through society uh he's fixated on little things like his having the best business card yeah. to the point where one there's like this one part where he's like dissecting the font and the texture of the business card that i think it's jared leto's character has yeah and he hates him because it's better than his yes yes it actually causes him to just get angry and he's like sweating at one point um, yeah, he's just constantly and he like his the way that he cares for himself, like he does the same routines every day to make sure he's in the top shape, his skincare. Um is and when he talks, he talks to regurgitate information he's learned so that he sounds smart. There's this whole chapter of the book, and it's it plays out a little bit in the movie as well, where he actually goes into these long-winded spe- speeches about albums that he loves uh so there's like i think he does a whole yeah, there's a whole chapter on in uh phil i think on phil, phil collins, collins yeah and he does yeah he does hip to be square in the movie um i think that that might be in the book too but yeah there's this it's all about just hearing himself talk though and and to sound like he knows everything about music and if it's, the book is a little too much for you i mean if the movie's a little too much don't read the book because that is gory the gory. book is significantly more gory than the, than the movie, but the, I mean, the movie itself is a bloodbath as well. Yeah. It's, yeah. but it's, I think it's incredible. I, I'm a huge fan of American Psycho. So what about this movie? Um, Gone Girl. Have you seen that? Yes. Yep. I thought that was kind of perfect too. Her? Sure. Are you saying her? Yes. Okay. So yeah. Interesting. Cause I, it's hard for me to really like have a rebuttal to that because I, I hadn't thought about it until I saw that on your list. It's interesting. I'm wondering if there's anything else that might fit her based on, but like, yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. Like her. Yeah. The deception, um, her, her worth over everyone else's. She's literally, you know, when, when she decides that it's better for her to go back, she goes back. It has nothing to do with like, she's always putting herself over everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think that's actually, yeah, that could be a good case right there. Gaslighting. Cause only cause we mentioned that way back. So the movie? Yes. I, the Talented Mr. Ripley, which was a great movie. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I actually haven't, ironically. Tangled? Okay. The Mom, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yep. White Oleander, which was a great um, Shell Pfeiffer movie. And Alison Lohman. Great. And Mommy Dearest is sort of the um, the benchmark of narcissistic personality disorder movies. And I mean, in pop culture, I mean, I'm surprised. Do you have anything else? Was that Catherine Hepburn that she was portraying? Oh, she was portraying Joan Crawford. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. That's right. Yeah. All right. So what do you think here? Final thoughts? Yeah. um, I feel compelled to just reiterate, like, it's, it's, you have to remember. So if you're the person with it, like I've said a thousand times, I do feel like it's really important just for you to know there is treatment. 
There is ways to improve your behavior and the impact that it has on others so that you can be a more enjoyable person to have around and so that you can actually have more meaningful relationships that won't be just based on the surface level facade that is easily cracked and will constantly have conflicts and rifts and just make the other partner feel small or potentially want to leave. Um, if you're someone who knows someone with narcissism, I think it's just also important to remember that they are a person and they're not choosing to be the way they are. It's something that's been created or has, you know, developed over time. So regardless of how like you perceive them, it's important to remember they are also a human and, you know, they, if they can get help, then that's great. And if you can guide them to get there, then that's even better. But if ultimately you can't and you are suffering because of them, your best bet is probably just to separate yourself from that situation yeah, hit the road. Ver- versus staying in it and constantly being angry or upset with them and feeling small yourself because of what they're doing to- towards you. Right. In the same way, trauma, you know, we say about trauma like that, the environment, the brain structures and the genetics might help to explain the way you're treating someone and your behaviors, but it doesn't, it doesn't excuse it. Right. It doesn't yeah. it become a very abusive situation. Yeah. Something I interesting. Just, uh, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. No. Well, I was just, I was just going to mention, like, I had shared one thing with you that I had heard. Um, Cause I did listen to another source to try to get some information on this before we recorded. And I feel like the whole, it was, so it was like this 20 minute, episode about narcissistic personality disorder but it was literally the person just saying all the terrible things they that like we unfortunately probably had to say as well mm-hmm. but then t- saying if you know this person or if you're in this relationship with the person cut ties immediately get out of there if only i knew this about my wife <laughs> my ex-wife <laughs> so basically someone who like had obviously had a terrible experience and felt really compelled to make an episode about the disorder and I don't know. I just, for me, I, again, I just, I, I don't know. It's, I would feel very callous to say like, there's no hope. This person is just going to tear you down. And like, can we say that about every single situation or like, I, I think it's I mean, important. It's individual, you know, you're a mental health advocate. So it's tough for you to do that. It's like who you are. Right. So it's hard for you to just poo poo the idea that, you know, this is a person who's also suffering. And two things, it's dialectic, right? Two things can be true at once. Like, yes, they're suffering, but they are also causing suffering. And don't you agree there could also be like individual cases and there could be um, levels of narcissism that that person experiences? So that's what I would hate. I would hate for someone to not be given chances to improve their lives and have a better life because everybody is running away from them constantly as soon as they divulge it's like that thing when with when we did the borderline episode we know the stigma around borderline and how even meant some mental health providers will run away or reject that person and and is that fair well no that's no not at all i mean i guess it's sort of self-preservation in a way because you know borderline tends to value than devalue on a, on a dime right so that could be you and you could be the the you could be the the blessing for a while and then you could be the problem pretty quickly but no i mean it's you've got to have courage to work with people and do your best and you know not give up and, and give them the best help that you can it's our yeah. responsibility to do that um i think that the reason why this is such in our consciousness as a terrible thing is because you know the sin of pride and we've talked about why the sin of pride we actually we had a, we struggled with this a little bit in the seven deadly sins episode like why is pride a bad thing and i think when you think of pride you're thinking of self-importance and putting yourself above others is the sin that runs through all the other when it runs through lust and greed and all the other things right so it's it's just this idea of you know getting what's best for you without any regard for who you have to stomp on on your on your way right and that's not a great thing There's one more thing I'd like to bring up, and that's malignant narcissism, which I found pretty interesting. So this is an extreme mix of narcissism, antisocial behavior, aggression, sadism, and grandiose delusions. So the components of this are dehumanizing people. Now, before I get too far into this, it's not an actual diagnosis. It's just a subcategory of narcissistic personality disorder, but it's considered to be the most 
severe form of narcissism and one of the worst, if not the worst personality type overall. And this can develop as a defense mechanism of paranoia, the paranoia of their narcissism being exposed as the inferiority complex that it is, right? So an example that I thought of was a pop culture example, and that's Tony Soprano. Okay. That, that was like the yeah. whole thing. Like, I, and cause I've been going through the Sopranos again lately and you know, I'm at the point now where like he is trying to steal Artie's wife and it's like, just because something of relationship and it's cause he starts thinking like, well, this would be good for me, but he's not taking into consideration. Like she's married. That'd be terrible for my best friend. That would be terrible for me. And that would be terrible for her. Right. So that's completely narcissistic. And, you know, obviously he meets all the criteria with he's dangerous. He's, uh, he has grandiose delusions and he's sadistic, aggressive, all these things. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, I hadn't even thought about that. It's a sad, sad thing, you know, that whole concept of not ever being able to be happy if untreated because you're never going to be good enough for yourself. Like, it's sad when, you know, you feel like you're never going to be good enough for your parents or a spouse or whoever. Imagine that same feeling all internalized, like you're never going to be good enough for yourself. So you have to deceive yourself into believing that you're better than everyone else. And you really don't feel that way. It's such an empty sort of disorder. Um and, you know, they deserve help, too, like you said, Dave. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Well, good job, Greg. Good job, Dave. So thank you, everyone, for tuning into this one. This was uh, another one that, like, Greg and I will often say, there's some episodes that just feel a lot like there's a lot of pressure to get it right. I hope we were able to. Uh, do that in this episode or at least shed some light to the disorder and put together something somewhat helpful. We'll see. We'll see. Do you have any shout outs or are you not prepared for that? Um, no, not really. Okay. Well, if you, yeah, I mean, you know, as always, you know, we've had a few people hit us up on, um, on social media. Actually, no, we got a review that I want to read. Never mind. I do have one prepared. So, Yeah, we've had some people message us on social media and uh, kind of give us some some nice positive praise. I, I was really not expecting that uh, from some of the people that actually provided it. It was like nice, nice surprises because it was like different than other uh, demographics of people that we've had. So it wasn't all just like grad school students. It was, uh, you know, some outside of that, which is awesome. Uh, but we did get this recent one. From my new favorite person, uh, Rain, on uh, iTunes or Apple, I mean. Uh, so it says the best psycho- psychology podcast, five stars. Whoa. Um, have you been wanting to learn more about regarding? Let me try that again. I got way too excited. Have you been wanting to learn more regarding psychological analysis? Well, this is the podcast for you. The hosts are funny yet know how to dissect the topic in a respectful and understanding manner. Uh, they are fun, always managing to find topics that match the current flow of seasons and or current events. I highly recommend Rain. That is amazing. And you, you are amazing. And I don't know who you are, but I wish I did because you're pretty awesome. Can I can I go for one? Sure. All right. So we got James Hall here, and I appreciated this one. You guys are amazing. My wife is a psychologist and put me on to you. I'm an army chaplain, and I love listening to your podcast. I was helping a soldier with self-harm issues, and I was able to give her a chain of command advice around making sure she felt in control. You guys rock. So thanks, James. We re- appreciate that. And anytime we can, that, that's it, Dave. Like anytime someone benefits from, I don't know, listening, maybe gets a smile, maybe gets more interested in a topic, or maybe, you know, dives into one of these mental health episodes or self-help episodes and get, and get something out of it and can maybe help themselves or somebody else. I mean, that's all the motivation we need besides a five star every here and there, here yeah. and there. Right. Absolutely. Um, again, and even on, um, on uh, X or Twitter, we had uh, a really nice uh, comment made about our mother Teresa episode, which I was really surprised about. You know, we did that episode kind of thinking like, Oh, it was something that we were interested in. Didn't know if it was going to re- necessarily be like, a banger and uh we got a nice comment on it so i really appreciated that so you know overall feeling really good this week about just the trend of responses and feeling like we're you know people are enjoying what they're hearing so i appreciate all that and as always you know if you guys want to reach out to us 
We're on pretty much every social media platform except for Facebook. I don't really care to do that, Greg. If you want to, you can definitely make a Facebook page, and I doubt that doubt that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, unconventional therapists guide to nothing on X, on Instagram, and no, we're not on TikTok either. Um, so just just those two actually. <laughs> and but, you know what? If you really, I mean, wanted to look somewhere, I and mean, we're on YouTube now, right? Oh yeah, we just uploaded all of our episodes to YouTube and they will be continuing. They are in podcast audio format, so it's not video or anything, but it's another place where you can listen if that's, you know, somewhere you want to. And that's another place where you could always reach out to us as well. People have been leaving comments, which is weird because I didn't even know if anyone's going to listen to this stuff there. So yeah, all good. All good. That's all I got, Greg. You got anything else for, for the general audience? That's it for me. Okay. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. As always, we're just madly in love with you all. <laughs> you just, True. you know, you're great people. Hmm. And we, we, you mean the world to us. Like, I, I agree. Don't know, I don't know how we go on without you. And I'm great people. And Greg thinks he's great people. <laughs> so thanks again. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Feel like